Stabbing Westward. Just stabbing oh, Westward. Stabbing Westward. I can't even save myself. <laughs> right? Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, what's going on? I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 306. Thank you so much for being here with us. United in our shared love of the best genre in the world. And it's more than just a genre to you. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's on your walls. It's how you dress. It's what you read, experience, and listen to. We do this every week, usually multiple times a week. If you like what you're hearing, it helps us so much if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, if you haven't already. Helps the show keep going, helps us get found, all that good stuff. And if you'd like to watch the video version of our show, you can now do that via Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available on Roku, Sling, Vizio Smartcast, and more. You can check out the on-screen programming guide for showtimes and schedule. On to this latest episode. It has been a long time in the making and it's finally happening. You have heard me badly sing its praises at the top of my lungs in random karaoke attacks on this very show. We're talking about the 90s hit Save Yourself, featured in almost every horror movie, if you ask me. That's my experience of remembering it. This time around, you were hanging out with singer Christopher Hall of the multi-gold-selling industrial rock legends Stabbing Westward. They are back with their first full-length album in over 20 years. A time of release, Chasing Ghosts, is available everywhere March 18th. Chris takes you into the studio to talk about reuniting and details the creative process behind the cinematic experience that is the band's music. Explore the story behind the wonderfully haunting artwork of this new chapter of the band and what's in store for you on this adventure. We go over the history, of course, of Save Yourself and how that song and a bunch of their other hits became synonymous with horror flicks in the 90s. Chris reveals some of his favorite scary movies and tons more on an incredibly fun episode 306, Now Play. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. All right, joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a genre-defining vocalist, composer, and producer. Formed in the mid-'80s, his band Stabbing Westward did something that seemed absolutely impossible. They conjured up an alchemic reaction from the dark sounds of industrial music cultivated by bands like Ministry and KMFDM and paired it with soaring melodies that were as aggressive as they were haunting and beautiful. The song with a raw ferocity that just tore through the fucking speakers. It was a sound that was cinematic, moving, and so uniquely inspiring and fresh that it ended up changing the face of alternative music forever. They sold hundreds of thousands of albums all over the world, two of them going gold, monumental tours with Depeche Mode, Placebo, their sound and success put them center stage on the biggest radio festivals across the country. Our guests formed a new band called The Dreaming in the early 2000s. The work there spread eloquently over a few EPs and three full-length albums that rose up with the Billboard charts. Now, Stabbing Westward is back after 21 years since their last release their new album chasing ghosts is out march 18th it is a breathtaking 
chill-inducing, cathartic journey into human emotion and imagination. The first single, I Am Nothing, is available now. We are so honored to welcome singer Christopher Hall. Who wrote that? Or did you just make that up on the fly? Just that all was off the top good. of the head. I'm like, I did all of that? Wow. So, dude, congratulations on what us as huge fans, we didn't know it was ever going to happen. This is an incredibly yeah. exciting, anticipated release. Uh, yeah, yes. I didn't think it was going to happen either, to be honest. Well, tell us about yeah. like what were the yeah, circumstances I, I, that kind of reignited we, everything. We, yeah, we put the band back together. Um just to play a couple of shows at, at cold wave festival in Chicago. It was more of a charity thing that we were doing. And, um, at the time we were like kind of terrified that, that somebody was going to pop out of the, the, the woodwork and say, you can't do this. I don't know who other members or like old management are like, we're like, can we do this? I don't know. Can we do this? And we started playing shows and, and the reaction was, um, was, was pretty depressing. I got to admit it was, it was, overwhelmingly positive which made me feel really terrible about my other band because <laughs> it's like we would play the same venues and have like you know two three hundred people and then we'd play the same venue with stabbing and be like sold out lines out the door like so the other guys in my band are like we should do this more this is way better than that this is like <laughs> way more people like this so i was like okay fine but i don't think that we really thought about doing new music because after that first cold waves we 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 had a song that we put on there, um, Cold Wave's uh, compilation CD, and we, we played it live. Everyone's like, ah, oh, play a new song, play a new song. So we played a new song, and the set was going great up to that point. I go, you guys want to hear a new song? And everyone, yeah! And we start playing it, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to look at my phone now. <laughs> like the entire room. All heads went down. It's just the tops of heads, which at our age group is not a positive look. And then um, lots of glowing blue phone faces. And it's like, wow, they don't really want to hear a new song. They just cheer when you say stuff. And, and so that kind of set us back a couple of years. We're like, oh, they don't want to hear new music. We'll just keep playing Save Yourself. And we'll just open with What Do I Have to Do, kick into Save Yourself, go off stage, come back, play What Do I Have to Do, and just Save Yourself again and just call it a show. And, and then everyone will be like super happy. But um, yeah, eventually we got, we got tired of, of just playing the old songs all the time. So we thought, let's let's write a new record and see what happens and so far it's been pretty pretty positive experience yeah re- reuniting uh once again with producer john fryer this record feels like that yeah. great stabbing westward sound man did you guys go back to the old ways and techniques of writing and producing this album or were there new was there a new approach to the process um yes <laughs> no, I was like four questions in one. John, John Fryer was was so pivotal in in our early career. When we first started writing, we um we were crazy. We were like you know twenty twenty two year old kids who had all these influences from Nine Inch Nails and Ministry, and I loved The Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen and Depeche Mode, and everyone had their own. You know, every every drummer was a secret metalhead and every guitar player wanted a solo. So you had to somehow mesh all that together into something that made sense. And our, I go back and listen to our demos of that early stuff, and it was just chaos. It was like you couldn't even figure out what was going on. It's like the demos I get sent to me by other bands now. I don't know why I'm pointing over my shoulder. There's no <laughs> band back there. But I get, I get demos sent to me all the time. Can you Can you make this sound good? And it's like trying to sort through the chaos. That's what John did best. And he, I, I feel like John pretty much created our sound on, on God on our first record, which didn't sell a whole lot, but he definitely like 
took the chaos and morphed it into something solid. And then on um, Wither Blister, Burning Peel, uh, the, the, the album was Shame and What Do I Have to Do on it? He really honed in on that sound and, and created it. And then once we stopped using him, we really diverged from our path and we kind of lost our way a little bit. By the fourth album, I don't, I don't know who we were. It was really weird. Um, so bringing John back into the fold definitely helped sort of crystallize that vision that we had had when we were younger. Um, as far as production, no, it's totally different now. Um, in the olden days, we relied heavily on studios and now <laughs> I have one right behind me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I have one. Walter's got a huge keyboard studio in his, his place. Uh, Carlton, our guitar player has a monster studio in his place. Um, not monster, same size as this, just lots of, lots of gear for what they do. Carlton's got like a bunch of guitar amps and guitars and everything set up so that he can record. Um, I've got, I've got a ton of guitars over here too. I've got oh, nice. all this going on over yeah. here. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, we're all set up to basically, we could all be one man bands, but we, uh, we did it all via Dropbox. The whole, we should have named this album Dropbox. Um, Cause like, like someone would, put a file in a Dropbox. We'd all get a ding, pull it out. I can add something to that. And we would all just like, and, and we never worked together. So we would be all like, like there's some songs that literally there'd be like a kernel of an idea. Now there's three completely different versions of the songs. Like there's that song control Z. There are three distinctly different versions of the songs with basically the same vocals that all three of us wrote. And it was just basically, we we're all fighting to get our version in. And John's like, I like that one end of conversation that's a song that yeah and that's how we had to do it because um we, we didn't we didn't have a place where we could all get together and just fist fight over it or just you know figure it out so we had to we had a there's a lot of like passive aggressive emails like terse text messages and stuff like that and then john's like yeah so all very passive aggressive it was funny i'm curious like with electronic based music and where it's gotten in terms of like you said everybody's got their own setup and now You've got infinite possibilities at your fingertips that are way easier to access than it was, you know, 15 years ago. Is that overwhelming at all? Is it almost too much shit to choose from? You know, it's funny is that like two years ago, um, I was using Omnisphere, Serum, all the like classic plugins on your once again. Uh, my computer's behind Uh, all the plugins on your computer with all these like, like Omnisphere literally has not literally, but has probably 10,000 sounds on it. Crazy, crazy sounds. And everyone in the world can, can, can buy this for 300 bucks, whatever. And yet we all use the same seven sounds. Like everyone goes to the same seven presets and uses them over and over again. And I got, when, when it was COVID time, I, I was actually getting like a hunched shoulder and like a pain from like scrolling through Omnisphere sounds with just the mouse. So that's when I went out and bought a bunch of like actual keyboards with actual knobs on them that are old school sequential circuits profits where it's like, I have to sit down and dial up a sound that I like. And it's, it's my sound and it's like unique and special. And I think, I think the easier it gets for electronic music, the harder it is to make something that sounds not only original, but like from the heart, you know, cause it's like so easy just to pull up the same drum loop and the same synth sounds and just say, okay, it's a song, but yeah. So we're, we're, we're trying to dig a little deeper than that for sure. Walter's got like a crazy mod set up with all these 
cables and i'm like dude that just hurts my head looking at that so oh my god but yeah he's, he's like yeah. a mad scientist over there it's crazy is there any place you go that inspires you to write i wrote the majority of this record while walking my dog that's yeah so i would put on headphones listen to music walk my dog walk around humming like a crazy person saying just insane lyrics to myself out loud with headphones on and jot them down on a little piece of paper yeah so the, almost all of this record is written i used to write while i was driving doing long distance drives mm-hmm. but my wife um doesn't like that far away look in my eyes. Where I put the kids in the back. Yeah. She's like, are you looking at the car to be like solving like a Rubik's cube lyric problem in my head? She's like, yeah, no more writing in the car. It's kind of dangerous. What would you say defines the experience specific to what you and Walter do musically when you're together that makes it different from stuff you've done in the dreaming or anything else? Like what are the elements that you like that the chemistry with Walter ignites in you? That's, that's a great question. I don't know, but it's there. Um, one, one of the things that, um, when we released the EP, uh, dead and gone EP, it came out before we signed our record deal before this record came out. It was, uh, dead and gone crawl and cold three songs. And two of them I'd written and produced crawl and cold and Walter had produced, um, and written dead and gone. And then, so he'd send me music. I put vocals on it. That's dead and gone. The other two, I kind of did most of the music myself. And he, he tossed a couple parts my way. And the, the, we were super proud of that EP. But the one thing that I heard back from fans was that, oh, this sounds like a dreaming record. And I don't think that they said it in a negative way. I just think they said, oh, this, is, this sounds like what we've heard Chris do before. Um, but they really liked Dead and Gone. So when we did this record, we tried to, um, I had to kind of swallow my, uh, my pride a little bit and be like, okay, let's make sure that you create, you know, the heart of the majority of the songs. And then I'll do the vocals like we used to do. And then there's two or three songs on the record that I got to actually produce and stuff. But for the most part, it was him and John doing the music. And then I would do the vocals. And I think that's what creates that, um, that unique blend that is Stabbing Westwood. Uh, it's, it's what, it's what people identify, you know, so they hear it and it just reminds them of what they, you know, grew up with in their past or whatever. So that works for me. There's something at the heart and soul of all Stabbing Westward's output in its music that it makes it sound cinematic. It sounds like a movie. And this album is very much a testament to that. Thanks. Yeah. That's, that's our goal. Um, I think every time I think the Pesh mode is really great at that too. And Gary and Gary Newman unlike uh, his last couple of records, just really good at um, taking you out of whatever space you're in, like this little room or whatever, if you're listening in your car or whatever, it takes you out of that space and, and puts you in a multiverse in a different, in a different like time and place. And it's, we just try and create, you know, uh, music that makes you feel, you know, that you're, you're with Johnny Mnemonic somewhere. You yeah. Know, you're hanging out with Keanu Reeves is somewhere nearby. Right. And he's probably worried about that. You know. Is well, it John Wick? Is it Johnny Mnemonic? I don't know. Is it Neo? It could be any picture Keanu character. And part of the, part of the way that you guys do that. And again, to reference this in this new album on uh, push, for instance, right? There's a lot of sound design. You guys play with the stereoscope with yeah. all, just just painting the songs with 
different things, sounds coming in and out, just just really playing with the stereo field. How much do you do you go back? Is that something you go back and layer on top of and labor over, or is that something that comes when you're when you're doing like just one song at a time? How does that process work? It's just the sound design itself. Yeah, that particular song was an old track Walter had written. The bass line and the drum beat was was a track he had written that I had written another vocal for. And then I didn't like the vocal I'd written, so I wrote a, a new vocal over the top of it. And then it sat for about a year. And um, it was kind of in this weird limbo. And then um, mid-COVID, as I was walking my dog, I got really into the Cure Disintegration record, mm. which, which had um, some of those songs like... Uh, same deep water some of those they just have the intros are just like cool part another cool part another cool part and they just keep building and sometimes the verse wouldn't come in for three minutes yeah. you know not a hit not a hit single but oh my god you know and it just would take you okay i'm carrying a bag of poop my dog's old i'm dragging her up the hill but i'm not here you know it just takes you into another mindset and um one of the things that we do a lot is we try and trim our songs down to really short and really tight, cut the fat, you know, this is each part has to have a part. And uh, I liked on, on push the idea of like, no rush, just let it, let it build. Let's let the whole song build and grow and, and, and turn into something. And they, I think they did a, I don't know. I haven't heard the record, but I think they did an edited version on the CD and a longer version on the vinyl. I don't know. They didn't consult me on a lot of this. <laughs> I know. We've, we've mentioned the dog Let me know a lot. How the record, I haven't heard the record, so. I just want to know what kind of dog you have, because <laughs> when I see this in my head, I want to imagine the dog. What, what kind you, of dog do I have? What yeah. do you see in your head? What do you see? Yeah. I see like, I don't know. I see some kind of like <laughs> poodle mix, maybe brown. I'm, I'm trying to be dead psychic. On. Beagle. No, Beagle. You're, dead, you're dead on. You're Am dead I? on. Yeah. yeah, it's a black greyhound. Yeah. I'm so psychic. And, and, and she passed away three weeks ago. So. Oh, no. I'm so, so sorry. sorry. Oh, I'll never write another song again. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Oh, no, for real. It was, it was very hard. Yeah. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still walking by myself in the morning, like, but now I'm just that sad guy walking oh. instead of the cool guy walking his dog. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty sad. I love it's my so dog. hard. It's so hard. Yeah, it's, it's one of the hardest things. Yeah, we lost our Chihuahua like three years ago, and I she still, still she still I, I, yeah, I still yeah, will yeah. just randomly cry. Yeah, and like, we have another dog, and I I love our new dog, but I still I still can't get over. Chihuahuas are tiny, and they're they're really easy to lose because you just can't find them. Sometimes they're just hiding. <laughs> yeah, the, they're like cats, really. They, yeah, they they're always are. are like cats. Car- Carlton's got a little tiny Chihuahua named Cleo. Oh, that's going to be in our video. Oh, I oh, love awesome. so, I also find melodically where you land with your vocals, it's it's never anticipated. And I think that's what causes that breezy feeling that you get when you listen to Chasing Ghosts. You don't seem to be confined to like a typical Western music scale. And on songs oh, like no, the verses yeah, yeah, of yeah, Wasteland, yeah. like you're reaching outside the box and it yeah. go, like where you go always causes some really cool, like emotional reactions just as a listener. No, cool. You've always Thanks. done that. What, what yeah. do you think informs those choices for you? Trumpet. I was a trumpet major in high school and college. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of, uh, a, a lot of classical music play, they color outside the lines of, of traditional Western pop music. 
And so a lot of the like beautiful um, trumpet lines that I played in, in, in orchestra and stuff would have those sort of bouncing back and forth between major minor with the diminished sevenths and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I, I like painting outside the lines. It's, it's way more fun, but thank you. That's really cool. Is it, is it something that comes instinctual to you or do you yeah, really sit yeah, and go, yeah, okay, yeah. I got to figure out like, you know, no, what's obvious. It's just, it's, just, it's just where my brain goes. Sometimes it creates um, chordal complexities where like you have a really simple synth line and D minor and I want to, play with the, the chord changes in a certain way. And it, it, it creates some, some, some trickiness for Walter. He's like, how do I get yeah. D minor to D major? Like, yeah. So we have to, we've, we've sort of over the course of years, I mean, I've been doing that kind of stuff since, since the beginning kind of did it on you complete me, did it on why a little bit, those that's that adding the major third and a minor song. And, and we always, we sort of figured out tricks to do it so that it doesn't, uh, Gary Newman does that a lot too. And he, he's, he's, he's one of my current, like, he's one of the records I listened to over COVID a lot was his, my name is ruined record, whatever that was called. But yeah, that was one of my favorite records. Do you listen to a lot of film scores yourself? Just instrumental film scores? Film scores. No, not really. I should, but not really. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I every- Sp- Spotify and it covers from 1982 to maybe 89, 90. That's like, that's my Spotify list. It's very, very, t- I've become that old person that just listens to the music I listened to in high school. It's yeah. Weird. No, I get it. I get it. Leo, you had yeah. a question, man. Jump in. Yeah. Speaking of uh, film scores, I've seen uh, Trevor mentioned uh, um, how cinematic the, and industrial the uh, melodic, uh, the stabbing voice for sound is. Is there any interest in scoring a movie or, or with some of your musical writing ideas? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, that's like a dream. I've been trying to to break into that somehow. I would love to do that. Right now, I'm, I'm producing and mixing a record for the band The Hunger out of uh, uh, Houston, Texas. They had a couple of hits in the, the 90s, kind of an industrial Texas metal band. Um, so mixing other people's uh, records, and then um, I'm doing a lot of remixes for other people. Uh, they send me a track, and I'll do like a kind of cyber dance thing for them but yeah i would love to get into to soundtrack somehow it's just it's kind of tricky i think breaking into it and my, my friend rich patrick's doing it and he's not online as much as he used to be because he's so busy now. yeah yeah, <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think it just kind of really eats up a lot of your time but i would love to do that that'd be so fun well speaking of that i, I mean it's been something that we've integrated into the show here as we talk about horror movies a lot. And um, this conversation is actually something that a lot of our listeners to our show have been asking for for a while now because we started doing a feature called Scary Oki. And I break out randomly and lovingly into Save Yourself. I've done it probably like a dozen times over the course of this show because it is baked into so many people's heads, including ours, as the defining sound of horror films of the 90s and early 2000s. It's a like an empathetic battle cry, and lyrically, it jives perfectly with the tropes of a slasher flick. So, sidelining to your album Darkest Days when it came out in like 98, the song mm-hmm. itself, we remember it being on like every single trailer, every MTV horror movie award montage, but in truth, like how much do, are you aware that that thing actually got in terms of like horror movie use? I don't know. I mean, we had so many songs and so many movies and so many TV shows and trailers and stuff that the only time I ever 
knew about a lot of them was just on my my royalty statements. I'd really? Like, oh, we were in Smallville. I didn't know we were in Smallville. We were in <laughs> yeah. True Blood for a while. Yeah. I th- yes. Yeah. That, yes. Yes. Save, your, save yourself. Was on True save Blood. Yourself, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 It was. Uh. It, it was weird. The faculty, Bride of Chucky. We were. We were in a lot of horror movies. It was. It was. It was pretty shocking. I, I looked it up. I did a um, what movies were stabbing westward in last night on Google. I did a Google search, and I I found another thing that was a, a New York Times article. I didn't know that I was ever in the New York Times, but they they wrote an article about how uh, record labels were shoving their songs into soundtracks instead of using composers. And their first example was you know this band stabbing westward that we've never heard of had you know, songs in nine movies in the, in, you know, in 1996. And that's all because of Sony. And, and they, they kind of went off on a tirade against us. But I'm like, wow, New York Times mentioned my band. That's cool. That is wild. <laughs> so they're just complaining that, that composers weren't getting as much work because in the 90s they were using, uh, you know, bands on labels. But think about the soundtracks, the the Crow soundtrack and the Mortal Kombat soundtrack and all those soundtracks that came out that, that, helped the movie so oh, much. Oh, for sure. Know? For sure. Yeah. 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 To find a whole generation too. So yeah. all that stuff was just probably like, as far as your involvement in that, anything like that. So it was probably like a separate music licensing thing. You didn't yeah, ha- necessarily yeah. have like final rights of approval. You just kind of hear about, no. Oh wow, we're on a soundtrack. No. Yeah. 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 That was just Sony music. I mean, I mean, so much of the success that stabbing had was just, people at Columbia records and Sony music just working their asses off to, to push a band. You know, I mean, it's like, we kind of get the gold record and the glory, but it was definitely those people that were doing the hard work and getting it out there. Wow. Yeah. You're even in a John Carpenter movie. So you, we are yeah. from LA. That's right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, were yeah, you yeah, ever, yeah. have you yeah. at any point were you ever approached <laughs> to do like a bespoke piece of music directly for a film? Like we need a song for end credits or anything like that or no. I did that once um, in my other band. I did a song for, um, oh God, what's the name of that? New, uh, New Moon, um, the, um, the Second Twilight. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Nice. So I got asked to do a song for Second Twilight, uh, the one where uh, she's all sad, you know, her, her vampire has left and she's just stuck with the handsome werewolf. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and um, I wrote a song called Hole and, and did a whole production on it. And I guess it was in the film for a very long time while they're editing it. And then at some point the author had an infatuation with Muse and, and took our song out that the director had put in and, and put a, a Muse track in instead. That was, I was pretty brokenhearted because it would have been nice to have been in the movie, but yeah, that's the only time I was ever asked to, okay, this is the story, write a song. So I wrote a song about that. Um, otherwise, no, we've done, I, th- I think the, the thing that works for us is that when we write, when we write a piece of music, I'll think, does this baseline sound like it could be in the matrix? That's like one of my, <laughs> my guiding principles is, is can I see people in the matrix city? What's the name of the city in the matrix? Oh God. I don't even Zion. Zion. Yes. Yes. Can I see him parting to this in Zion? <laughs> no, we're yeah, fighting in slow motion. A lot of the songs in yeah, the new yeah, album sound yeah, like yeah, people yeah. fighting in slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> the boo crew will be right back. From the mists of infinity, they come, rising from the cold, damp earth to take what is now theirs. My God, the damn thing's moving! When the moon turns red, the dead shall rise and walk the earth. From the gates of hell, they have finally come. The gates of hell. 
No one under 17 admitted without parent or certified adult guardian. So Chasing Ghosts was supposed to come out. Is this a story? It was supposed to come out in 2020, but because of the state of civilization and not being able to tour or do anything, you did give us a, a first taste of you reunited stabbing Westward with that Hollowed Hymns EP yeah, on Halloween. That was, that was filler. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just, I just wanted to do something. I was like, I feel like we're just sitting here on our hands. And, and, and that, that, that was kind of my little brainchild. I'm like, let's do a cover song for Halloween and just like give it away for Halloween. They're like, okay, cool. And Walter hates covers. He doesn't like doing covers. And so then um, I think the idea was to do every day's Halloween. was the first one, just, just as a kind of a gag. And then um, our record label said, well, let's make it an EP. And he wanted to put a couple of the songs from the album on it. I said, I don't want to put a couple of songs from the album on it because we already gave away three songs on the album on the EP that we did before. If you give away another one or two, then that's half a record. Yeah, it's no spoilers, man. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. Spo- I yeah. hate it's like wait for the record. So then we uh we 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 I, I heard the crow, the, the cure song come up on um Spotify. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about this song. I love this song. And I texted Walter, I'm like, we should cover Burn by the you know, by the cure. And, and he went and listened to it. He goes, yeah, I think we could do something with that. So we, we did that. Then um, Walter did the, uh, the Killing Moon. That was, that was his idea. And then he came up with all the music for it. And that was the one to me that really went really far away from the original song. I mean, when I, when I did the, 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 the Cure one and the, the Ministry one, I kind of stayed fairly true to the song, but made it us. But he just wrote like a new piece of music that could have been on like a pink Floyd record or something. It was, that was, that was fun. Cause he, he really takes it to like a new level. So it's pretty cool. What was the question? No, you answered it beautifully. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. just all about Holland hymns. Oh, it was great. Uh, yeah. That was t- fun. Talking about Halloween. What does a typical Halloween look like for you? Do you like to do haunts? Do you, I mean, I'm assuming you take your kid trick or treating <laughs> now. You would assume. Yeah, you would assume, but, but that's, no. that's not the case. Um, my 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 wife is uh, one of the most gifted crafters um, in the world, and she makes them uh, handmade costumes each year, and um, they're 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 really always quite awesome. And then we we live on a hill um, with like kind of steps up to our house, and so we decorate the front of the house going up the steps. Pretty scary with like I bring out my like lights from the band. So I'll have like lightning and like a projector, like, like crazy. and then we have, a, we have a big fire pit in front of our house and we light the fire pit. And then all of our friends come over, all of, all the, all the parents of kids that we know, yeah. they all come over and all the moms take the kids out trick or treating. And then all the dads drink my scotch. And then I stand by the fire pit and give these greedy little bastards candy for like three hours. And, and, and I always have a beer and I put it on the fire pit. But by the time I can take a break and reach it, it's like scalding hot. You know, you've got like the, the glass is like literally burning your hands. And then and yeah, I go and so they'll all bring a bottle of scotch. And they'll, they'll like, oh, I brought you a bottle of scotch. And then they open it and they drink it. And then you're still out there and you're like, why are you in my liquor cabinet? What are you doing? You know, so that's, that's my Halloween. And it's, I told my wife, I'm like, I would really like to go trick-or-treating one of these times. Cause it's, 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 I'm, I'm kind of getting the handed 
the, the pass out candy duty yeah. every single year. Do you guys <laughs> pair the candy with the alcohol? Like, oh, this tastes really good. A Snickers. Why are we giving children alcohol? <laughs> no. Right. Oh, like you, parents. like oh, going into the candy yeah, while he's giving it I out. I always eat my kids oh, candy. Yeah. Like, like that's yeah, what yeah, you yeah, have yeah, candy to do. Corn goes good yeah. with whiskey or something like that. Oh, <laughs> Is that no, what you're getting no. at? <laughs> I used to, I, I used to love Halloween candy, but now, now it feels too sweet. I don't know why. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you there. It's, a, it's painful. Yeah. It's Twix, <laughs> mini, mini, mini Twix, and mini Kit Kat are my jam. But maybe cool. yeah. if you're taking your kid trick or treating and you're walking your butt off, then you feel like I deserve a piece of candy. Oh, yeah. I just went oh, yeah. up like twenty hills. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's my dream. Yeah. It's trick or treating and not just stand like a Costco sample person right. <laughs> in a costume. Generally, I'm I hope you. that happens for right. you this yeah, yeah, Halloween. Yeah. Brought up I Costco a lot. I love Costco. Yeah, Costco. we all love Costco, man. <laughs> so I want to know too. There is a spooky side of stabbing westward, as far as like song titles lyrics go but one interesting thing i've noticed like although you, you have songs like dead and gone and ungod and ghost and haunting me that spooky nature usually lyrically you're haunted by love or a relationship yeah, yeah. would that be would that yeah, be a yeah. true story is that is that true to say as far as your paranormal references in the band yeah so ghost was 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 definitely trying to uh i i, I like to use metaphors a lot so um and then once i get a a metaphor like it's like uh in a song it's like uh something in your shoe like a rock in your shoe while you're hiking i just can't seem to like shake it like i just keep like like ghosts like keep, keep walking through the walls you build between us so i'm a ghost walking through the walls you know um there's there's a lot of like silly references like that but um yeah it's all a metaphor for for that stuff yeah, no, it's be- beautifully done. It reminds me of like um, Mike Flanagan's Haunting of Hill House, like the way he looks at ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about relationships yeah. and love, and it just feels really real. And there's something poetic about putting it in that metaphor. That uh, Yeah, that, that, that's what Chasing Ghosts is about. I mean, the, the title, that's how I came up with that. It's just, yeah, just like every song I've ever written was just about trying to reach back in time and, and pull something back out. And um even the band as we approached it now at our age and at this point in our life, one of the things we kept freaking out about is, does this sound like 20 year old us? Are, are we, are we, you know, are we paying proper tribute to the band's history? Um, or are we like, you know, are we making an old person record that, that, you know, is going to, you know, smirch the, the integrity of the band or something so we were constantly trying to live up to these like um you know standards of who we were when we were kids and and i keep i keep looking back and going we had no standards back then we were freaking idiots we were just doing what we thought was cool at the time and and if anything i feel like wiser now and 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 better better prepared to like put together something as complex as an album, but we still feel that need like, Oh, we can't let the fans down. We have to stay true to this. Like, so we're chasing that past that you'll never, you'll never be the kid on the baseball team again, you know? So let it go. And yeah, that's kind of the idea of it. Kind of babbling. Yeah. No, that was <laughs> beautiful. It's seriously really eloquent. Yeah. As, as we wrap up here, we can just get a couple more quick questions. I wanted to just know the artwork over the, I mean, God, not only on Chasing Ghosts, but the EPs leading up to it and, you know, Hollowed Hymns and the I'm Nothing and the Ghost EP. They have stunning, creepy designs. What's, who's behind those and how did you connect with that artist? <laughs> that, that, that is our friend David. 
And um, David had these uh, two little um, friends. That sounds weird. Uh, David traveled with two Asian girls that were like, they were in high school, the three of them. And they would come see us play every single show on the East Coast back in like, you know, 94 to 2000. And so we would see David like stalkery. It was a lot. Like we'd see them a lot. And, and, and they'd like, you know, want to get a picture after every show. I think they're keeping like a scrapbook of how many pictures they could get with us and God lives underwater. Um, and, and, and he was just a nerdy kid, but he was like, you know, he was an artist back then. He went to art school and I remember him being in art school, but honestly, it's not like we hung out and had deep conversations. It was after shows and we were like meeting a bunch of people and signing stuff and drinking and whatnot. So he was always a guy that was there that I really, I really appreciated and thought was super cool, but I didn't really know him. And then um, Instagram a couple of years ago, I saw, uh, I think he was on like, he, he made a comment on the band page. I'm like, I remember that guy. So I clicked on his page and he was doing art and he had just picture after picture that was just amazing. And he wasn't taking photographs. Um, he was, he was hand drawing stuff on, he had some, program that he was doing where he was hand drawing it and it was sick. It was so good. And I, and this is before we got a record deal. And I'm like, Hey, I'm doing a, a new record. Do you think maybe you'd want to do a piece of art for it? And, and he was, he was excited because the 13 year old version of him was like, you know, this is cool. But the, the art director side of him, he'd already done records for um, Cambria. And I can't remember what's that band called. Coheed and Cambria? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coheed and Cambria. Yeah, yeah. So, so he'd done album art for them. He'd done album for a bunch of those kind of work to re kind of metal bands. He'd already done a bunch of stuff for them. So it was kind of cool for him to do it, but it wasn't like I was like saying, I'm going to pick you up and lift you from obscurity. Um, and his stuff was so good. And uh, he gave us the, the cover for Dead and Gone uh, was the first thing he sent us and he'd already done it. And then um, he was kind of giving us images he'd already finished. And then when we told him we were naming the album Chasing Ghosts, then he he started from scratch and did like a whole new, he likes skulls. I don't know if you've noticed that, but he's, he's quite into skulls. And we had some complaints from some of the fans, like why skulls? Why so many skulls? I'm like David's the art director. Talk to David, but he likes skulls a lot, but I think it's like so stunningly beautiful. Um, I, I He sent me prints. I'm going to frame them and put them on my studio wall. Oh, that's awesome. That's very yeah. cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, it's been some time since I've seen Chris in person. Right. And I've there's been many kids, so my memories are kind of bad. But do I remember correctly that you still like to take pictures, right? Photography? I do, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you still doing that? I am, yeah. So, yeah, we um, we uh, we we spent a lot of our time uh, during COVID in Maui. And, um, we did a lot of, I've been doing a lot of, uh, infrared photography. Oh, cool. Uh, it, it, yeah. I really like the infrared stuff makes like the sky is really black and the, the, the foliage, the leaves and stuff get really white. So it's really high contrast, super spooky looking, but, um, Maui is a really good place for it because there's lots of like stunning, you know, things to shoot. I've been doing a lot of that. I have uh, a couple pictures of my kids. I think, um, I tried to dock my iPhone yesterday to get footage for the video off my iPhone. And it said I had 15,560 pictures wow. on my phone. Yep. I'm like, wow, that's, <laughs> we find that one picture. Yeah. We still take a lot of pictures. I'm shooting a video now. Do the band. 
that's kind of cool. Yeah, infrared is so awesome, man. Yeah, you had to use like a red 25 filter right on there. And no, then, um, that's that's for amateurs. Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you're not, well, you're shooting digital no. or film? I'm shooting digital now. Yeah, so I ah, used to shoot. Okay, film, See, that's cheating. That's cheating. Like, <laughs> no, it's not cheating. What are you talking about? I, I you got to suffer. You got to put the 25 filter. You got to like, you know, pray that you nail the focus. Bag, you're loading right. the film right. in the dark. Yeah. So when you shoot into a film, the film canister can never be in the light Expose. yeah not, not not even with the film the film can never see sunlight even like yeah. like regular film you can take it out of the box and put it in your camera in the daylight but with infrared you have to do it in a black bag so you've got this black heavy cloth bag with two like like hand muff holes on the side and you unzip it put your camera in open your camera put the canister of film still in the canister and zip it shove your hands in and then you get this like weird far away look in your face as you try and figure out which way your camera is facing and then thread <laughs> film. And you're doing this like yep. in sub-zero Yosemite on the side of a cliff in a sleeping bag. <laughs> and oh, I dropped my whole thing down. It's, 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 not, it's not cheating at all. That sounds um, horrible. <laughs> it's really hard. And sometimes you'd do it wrong and you'd shoot all these pictures yeah. and then you'd like open your camera and you realize the film didn't advance. It's still sitting there, but you just expose it to the sunlight. You're like, Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> yeah. so now with, with digital, you take, um, I got a D90 and you, you, you take a $1,500 camera and you tear it apart. <laughs> you take the back off and you get to the, the part where it's just the screen. And then it's got a, a UV filter an IR filter and another filter stacked on the screen to, to make it look the way, that a camera looks like the, the picture looks you take all those filters off and now you've got a camera that can basically shoot stars and maybe like purple and orange and yellow and then you put a, a filter over the top that only allows uv and above light to go in and then you put it all back together and now your camera can only do one thing so you've got this huge camera and all it can do is make trees white and the sky black that's it so if you <laughs> that's awesome see like a cool car with flames on it eh, can't shoot it yeah <laughs> won't see any of it right oh my <laughs> god yeah that's cool yeah. Man. Oh, man all right okay so moving forward right as the album arrives what are some of the possible plans physical releases things we can look forward to as part of the experience of chasing oh Ghosts? vinyl so so one mm. of the things we've been waiting on is vinyl stupid Taylor Swift and Adele like like put in like six million orders for vinyl and so the hell? Everything, Damn them. everything got bumped back by a year. So we were we could have released this in 2021, but we wanted the vinyl that we didn't want to release it and then have a, a year later have a vinyl release. We wanted it to all happen at the same time. Yeah. So we put in our order eight months ago or something and it's finally supposed to arrive in march wow that's that's the goal it's been over a year so so that we've been waiting for the vinyl that's Um, crazy i know it used to be so easy i did a vinyl version of uh ewo jesus the four song ep and um it took me i think i had to do it six months out and i did it in a Prague. so i ordered from a new york company they had it printed in Prague and then sent to New York and then I picked it up when we were on tour and that was about a six month turnaround. But now it's like almost a year for, for anybody other than Adele or Taylor Swift. That's crazy. Is it, is it because yeah. there's only a few plants that press? Yeah. So vinyl fell so out of popularity that the, the printing machines, the pressing machines just 
laid in empty buildings and fell into disrepair. And there's only three presses in the United States that were working. And then a handful in the Eastern, Eastern Europe area where they still listen to vinyl, I guess. Um, and then when it started to get more popular in the last, like, I don't know, five, 10 years, it's kind of had like a resurgence. Then um, those plants are getting slammed with, with indie bands wanting to do small, small batches. But if you're doing a thousand, two thousand, even ten thousand records, that only takes a week max. But when Adele dumps six million on the system, that's every press printing all the time for like a year. And because because it takes the length of an album to make an album. So if the album's forty five minutes long, it takes it's like real time. Yeah, it, yeah, wow. real time. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty brutal. Oh my god! You need one of those machines. Yeah. Did you ever see Jack White had one of these make your own record booths? It was like a photo yeah. booth where you go inside. Yeah. One was on eBay. Remember, I saw it yeah, was like five it. grand on eBay, and I wish, uh, I what, wish it, you wish you got it. That would be amazing. Have a record yeah. booth in your garage. Come on yeah, in, record cool. a record. Cool. <laughs> like the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. You, 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 right. get, you get one take. <laughs> right. One take. <laughs> one take. <laughs> and then tour plans. Yeah. Is that something that's in the vicinity right now? Um, it's it's actually really hard. Um we, we had a bunch of shows booked in 2021, and then they just with you know, you you'd see like you know, it would it would go down and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's book some shows, and then Delta. Oh, I can't do any shows. And then we go down. Okay, let's do some shows. Omicron. So um, we, we, we have stuff scheduled that I'm, I'm hoping we're doing a mechanic, mechanic, mecha, 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 mechanic, we're doing a festival in Seattle, like industrial, that has yeah. something to do with me- mechanics or something. I can't the say mechanic it. fest. It's a Worcestershire Shire. Oh, yeah. yeah. um, um, we're, we're doing that in Seattle, Portland, and then uh, we're going to Belgium. Wow! <laughs> so yes, yeah. shit. So there, there, there's nice. a there's a three day industrial festival, goth industrial festival in Belgium, and um, we got invited to do that, and we took too long to say yes. And the the spot we had was it was going to be front two four two headlining the Mission UK. They're just the Mission over there, um, and then us. We were supposed to be like right before the Mission, and then front two four two. I'm like, yes, let's do it. And then we didn't say yes fast enough, um, and because somebody had had canceled, and so they had a slot to fill. So IMX is doing that date, but they're like, oh, but we really want to have you. So how about five o'clock on Sunday afternoon as everyone's leaving? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, three day oh. festival. Yeah, yeah. It's like Friday, Saturday, yeah. get really hammered. Sunday, you wake up and I got to pack my tent. Get, I got to go to work tomorrow. So I was like, oh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of flying for a five o'clock in the end. But the rest of the band was like, I'm going to get out of my house. Yes. I'm like, yes, I'm going to fly 12 hours on a plane to play for 45 minutes at four wow, o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. And when and you think of it that way. My knees are literally groaning thinking about it. <laughs> like, oh, just sitting on a plane for 12 hours. It sounds great when you're a kid. Right. Like, my, like, I'm not even going to be able to walk when I stand there. <laughs> oh, so you'll have all the Belgian fans out there. will be stoked. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be stoked. Awesome, all man. four of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you got any more? Uh, I am good. All right. We've kept them for a long time, I was time, prepared man. for the... the my favorite horror movie. I oh, wow. Well, let's do it. Yes. Let's do it, man. Yeah, what do you hear? Let's hear a horror movie. Let's do it. 
Um, so my favorite horror movie is a super cheesy one from 1982 or three called The Gates of Hell. The Gates of Hell. Yes. I have never hell. seen it, but it came up. Remember, it came up. Uh, Jonathan Davis from Corn. Oh, that was one of his favorite movies. It was The Gates of Hell. Yeah. And it was because of Video oh, Box. Funny. Yeah, from yep. video box. Yeah, the video box, like the cover, uh, yeah, like you remember going just... to the video store oh, yeah, and seeing yeah, yeah, Gates yeah, of Hell, yeah, that, yeah, and yeah, he rented yeah, yeah, it because yeah, yeah, of yeah. that. Yeah, it has a scene where a priest puts a drill to his head, and and it's like done. So I'm I'm I've, I've been watching. Uh, I watched that special effects show on Discovery Channel or whatever, where they would do the. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, face off. Face off. Yeah. Face off. Yeah, yeah. So now, now it's a little less impressive than it was back then. But when I was like a junior high school, I was just like, "Oh my god!" He just put a drill in that. It was super gory, stupid story, just like the worst. But it was so good. It was so funny. And, and to this day, that one in video drill. Video um, drill. Awesome. Video? Yeah. 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 Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so cool. Is there anything recent that you've seen? Uh, like, I don't know. Are you a big horror movie fan? Do you just kind of see them passively? What, what's your relationship with the genre? I think what happens when I had kids, it just kind of changed my perspective on it. Sure. Like, like suddenly, you know, things that, that, that were funny before were like, Oh, that could happen to my kid. It's yeah. Just, I don't know, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I get that. And then, yeah, it's just weird. Same with like riding a motorcycle. I can't really ride a motorcycle anymore. I used to just like, ah, but now I'm like, that ground looks really hard. <laughs> if I hit that ground, it's going to yeah. cook them nuggets. I'm the only one that can chicken nuggets like that. The air fryer is very dangerous. I'm, 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 I'm going to stick around in life so I can make my boys nuggets. Um, yeah. And, and, and plus, it's like I, I live on a steady diet of Pokemon, Ninjago. Um, it's uh, How to Train Your, your Dragon. Yeah. I mean, those are like, that's like what's on our TV. So, uh, yeah. I don't think I've watched anything scary. Wow. Reacher. Do you remember the... Movie. Reacher's cool. The, I liked Reacher, yeah. Do you remember the first horror movie that you saw? Yes. Distinctly. It was... Um, oh, shit. I distinctly remember, which is what I can't remember. <laughs> oh, God. God, what was it called? Um, it was... Uh, it was uh, the, Will Smith did a remake of it. Uh, I Am Legend? I Am no. Legend. But the original version was called, it was uh, Charlton Heston. Oh, shit. Come on. Come on. It was a double feature with John Wayne and the Cowboys. Oh, the Omega Man. The Omega Man. The Omega Man. That was my first horror movie. And where did you see it? Drive-in theater? At a drive-in. At a drive-in theater, double feature with John Wayne and the Cowboys. And the John Wayne and the Cowboys was on first. And my parents figured that we would fall asleep in the back of the car when the second one came on. And I did it. And it was terrifying yeah oh and also uh tr- trilogy of terror oh yes a, yeah uh, with the little oh, doll the little doll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, doll yeah i was like awesome. when i watched that i'm like what? yeah, yeah that this was a good freaky. idea time time tv like who thought that was okay and then, then i went through a uh, college hellraiser mm-hmm. eight like that that was a great great chain and then the crow but that's not really a horror movie right i i'd, I'd say yeah i'd yeah. say it is yeah. 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 yeah yeah it crosses over yeah for sure did you did, hey when you had the song on uh the the carpenter flick did you ever get to meet carpenter at all no i didn't but i'm a huge fan the, the thing was one of my or, well, yeah the thing right yeah, yeah it was one yeah. of my favorite and and his yeah. his scores 
his old school synthesizer mm-hmm. 80s scores were like the bomb. I love that stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I have keyboards that he, I have keyboards with presets called Carpenter. Like, oh, like cool. literally like, yeah, presets from his, his films. And then I have a, uh, my prophet X has a whole bank of all the sounds from Blade Runner. No so way. Scroll, yeah. Nice. It's got the, the names of like, uh, Tyre- Tyrell Corporation will be like the name of a sound kind of a thing. It's, it's pretty cool. It's like 127 sounds from Blade Runner. That's bad. That's, kind of, ass. that's awesome. Yeah, 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 Dude, yeah. it'd be so cool to get you scoring a film, man. It'd be the best. I would what, love what, to. what would be your ideal? Would you go horror? Would you go more sci-fi action? What would you, what would be your ideal experience for scoring? Um, yeah, either one. I think, I think sci-fi kind of, kind of futuristic cyber would be kind of like my thing. Yeah. Cause I, I, I like, I like writing, um, um, retro music of the future. Yeah, got it. <laughs> like, like what got we it. thought the future would look like in 1980. That's yeah. what I kind of like writing. That's my thing. Sig Sig Sputnik and bands like that. Sure. Really, sure. Yeah. yeah. Has there been any scores of that ilk that have, I, I mean, or movies that you've seen of that, of that genre where the score has been like, Holy shit, this the, is exactly the, the, what I'm talking the about. Blade Runner remake or the Blade Runner two. Yeah, um, twenty forty nine or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, that score was amazing. That was that blew my mind. And then Dune, I watched Dune on a plane the other day, but I was wearing headphones. The and, new, uh, the new like, one or whatever. Yeah, I yeah, haven't seen that. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it. It's. Uh, did you read the books? Mm-mm. No, not myself. Yeah. Leo, did you? No, really, no, no, Dune. We yeah, have four know, kids. We all. Dude's been around we forever. Yeah. We, we fly a lot. So I, I, yeah. I, I just sit and read on the plane while my eight year old plays his iPad. So yeah. you go like well, 10 hour flight, no problem. Good. I'm good. So. I do want a still suit though. That'd be badass to have. Oh yeah. So a you couple, just pee yourself yeah. and then drink it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think they look yeah. badass. Yeah, they they good, good stage clothes, right? Yeah. The still suit. A bunch of them uh, came up for auction actually from the original. Oh, dude. Really? Yeah. Recently. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff's always around. In fact, the trilogy of terror doll, that one sold at auction to right? the little yeah. puppet of the dude with the spear. Didn't. And I think Jordan Peele bought it. That sounds about wow. right. Yeah, yeah. It came up for auction like two years ago. Mm. Yeah. I paid seventy five thousand for an NFT of the little doll from the just a little animation of them. <laughs> all Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude! Awesome, man. Well, we won't take up any more of your time. This has been an absolute uh, joy, man. We really appreciate. I think my it. video might be rendered by now. Yeah, no, right. It's You'd be re- <laughs> still rendering. It's not, even, it's not even halfway. Oh my oh, god! So that's what you're Jesus. doing for the rest of the day, watching I'm that <laughs> render. Go ride my Peloton for forty yeah, minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was the Buku Podcast episode three hundred and six. A very special thanks to our amazing guest and friend Christopher Hall. Follow at Stabbing Westward on Instagram. At time of release. Their new album, Chasing Ghosts, is available everywhere March 18th. Music from Stabbing Westward, production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shams and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is 
produced by Lauren Chen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Chen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.